Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another new episode of Vichara Supply Chain. This is Norhadi House and my guest today is John Rieser. Uh, he is a supply chain expert, uh, executive vice president of global supply chain at the Canon Group Incorporated. So John, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about the change in the structure of uh, global supply chain. Uh, so, John, maybe we could start with just your uh, professional background. What made you want to get into this kind of work in the space of supply chain? So it kind of happened by chance. I was doing an internship with the current company that I am at during my uh, college career. Uh, so I did that for about two summers. Um, I actually graduated in health service administration, which meant I could run hospitals. And uh, quickly after college, was asked to join the company full time. So that was back in uh, 2000 and uh, rose up in the company from uh, managing the domestic sales to managing the uh, supply chain portion of the company. So I did that for about uh, 10 years. I started my own company and then uh, also worked for Zippo Manufacturing, the lighter company and then moved on to a e-commerce company uh, that strictly was importing products under private label and selling on the e-commerce sites. So uh, talking about the global supply chains, I- I'm curious your thoughts on this topic, John. What are the biggest changes in the uh, post-pandemic world? So the biggest changes that I see right now are basically the unknowns and, and freight. And when I say freight, mainly uh, rates and lead time. Mm-hmm. So to kind of further explain or expand on that one, um, the unknowns is when no one expected a pandemic to occur and no one expected the world to shut down. So when the world shut down, um, you know, everything changed and then it quickly opened up and demand was off the charts. Uh, specifically to the U.S., a lot of money was given out by the, uh, the government in assistance, which helped uh, the, the U.S., consumers um, with the ability to buy more, which created more demand for product. So what was traditional inventory um, was no longer needed. It was more of uh, items that people weren't expecting, such as like the TVs, the, the laptops, yeah. because kids were at, were at home now, uh, bicycles because kids weren't in school. Um, and then you go to the freight, which, uh, I think back in August of 2020, I was paying $3,850, $3,850 for a 40-foot high cube from Vietnam to Kentucky, and that quickly increased to $22,000. So a lot of people um, you know, had several issues with the, the increase in rates and trying to stay competitive and stay in business um, during the pandemic. All right. And some experts say that this is a good time to switch the supply chain sourcing strategy from the centralized uh, structure into a uh, decentralized. So what is your take on that, John? Is that a good idea? 
I think it depends on the company. Um, so for instance, my company is smaller. Uh, so we can really do both. We can do decentralized or centralized because of our size. Yeah. When you get into the larger companies, um, I mean, the centralized has always made more sense just from a budgetary standpoint, uh, making sure that you're buying within the, the means of the company. But when you're decentralized, it works much better to me, at least in my opinion, because the people that are making the decisions can make them quicker and they can make them on more um, knowledge or not, not more knowledge, but they can make it using uh, better knowledge because they're on the ground. They understand what's going on. Um, again, with the centralized, you know, you, you've got the ivory tower where the headquarters is looking down on the rest of the company, you know, making decisions, but they have to make a lot of decisions in a quick manner and depending on the size of the company that could be overwhelming. So I think that, um, the decentralized to me is makes a lot of sense. Even with an M MRP system, you know, you rely on your MRP system to tell you what you should order and what you should not. But I always have felt when working with MRP systems, you still need some eyes on it to make sure that, you know, what the system's telling you to purchase is what is actually needed. If you relied on an MRP system during the pandemic, you would your inventories would have been way off because there were so many outliers um, to traditional inventory uh, calendar year. So I'd say, you know, overall right now, it does make sense to go decentralized. But again, if you're a large company, I think that would be very difficult to just overnight um, change. And uh, I wonder what you advise, uh, what would be on how to deal and respond to the supply chain disruption? Probably you could give a, a couple of examples. So with the way that the supply chain is today, you just have to adapt quickly and you have to adapt fast. Um, there's so many uh, different examples of, of items I could give you, but for instance, um, you know, freight. So traditionally my company has always used about three or four freight forwarders and steamship lines. Yeah. Uh, during the pandemic, we had to, I think we, at the peak, we used about 11. And typically we don't like to use that many because it's, uh, it's uh, basically a strain on resources for managing those shipments. But because of the, the space, because of freight rates, we had to adapt quickly. And therefore, if we were trying to ship from, let's say, the Vietnam to, to Kentucky and our traditional forwarder had no space or rates were increasing faster than others, we would look at other freight forwarders to uh, partner with to, to ship. And by doing that, we were able to maintain inventory and stock. Um, we're also, I mean, the biggest thing back when, when supply, when the logistics was, just, you know, very difficult to find space was we were able to get space. I mean, it, it got to points where, you know, rates became almost secondary in nature. It was more of, can you get the space? And if you can get the space and we'll figure out, you know, the, the cost to it later because of the demand on the products that were needed in the U.S. So that, that's one thing. Um, we had other issues where, for instance, um, you know, we had to learn how to to move products. So, for instance, we had a, a country like Myanmar where uh, there was a coup there, and uh, we had to figure out a way to get product from Myanmar to the U.S. And because of 70% of the ocean freight being pulled out because of the pandemic and the coup, um, we found a way to, to basically truck product to Thailand to ship from Thailand to the U.S., which helped 
basically, you know, get our, our freight into um, the U.S. Um, other things are, you know, we have not strong, we have not been in China uh, for some years. We used to be very strong in China, but now we, we looked and uh, moved outside of China about five years ago. But now, because of the pandemic, we were in, um, like Vietnam, we were in pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, but then that shut down. So we had to look at other countries to source from. Uh, we were able to secure fixed rates from India, and thus we had since opened a, a sourcing office there because India's um, never really saw the the um, the issues that China was seeing in terms of there's not a, a zero uh, COVID policy. Uh, freight rates were very slow to increase from there, so we were able to to take advantage of. Um, basically the, the benefits of shipping from India and working with the Indian suppliers. And you're seeing that more so from a lot of other companies that are, are looking to basically get outside of China, um, more so from the, you know, the zero code policy, but also the, the political instability with China and are, are looking to resource from other countries. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So uh, let's talk a bit about leadership in the supply chain uh, crisis. What have you seen the most successful uh, supply chain leader do? What, what, what do they have in common in the approach to maximizing the impact? I think a lot of it is you have to adopt fast, you have to fail quickly, mm -hmm. and you have to innovate. And all the three of those factors are, are what you're seeing from the key supply chain leaders. Um, I'd say within the last, uh, basically right around the beginning of the pandemic, I got a lot more involved in LinkedIn and, and connecting with which with people that I feel are leaders within the industry and just basically seeing the posts of, of what they're, they're stating and, and reading a lot into what's going on in supply chain. Because I think as a, a leader in supply chain, you have to be current with everything that's going on. So from the adopt fast, I mean, you look at like, uh, you know, your big box stores, like Home Depot's, Amazon's, you know, they couldn't get space. So what did they do? They went ahead and chartered ships. Well, three, four, five years ago, no one would have ever thought about chartering a ship because it made no sense because freight rates were so cheap. Another thing I would say is you've also got from a logistics standpoint of people thinking more um, are becoming more creative. For instance, you have more companies that are creating foldable containers because in the U.S. we've seen and have witnessed and are still in it where many of the, the congestions at the ports are due to empties that, that can't be sent back. Um, so they're sitting and, and taking up a lot of space for full containers to come in. So you've got companies who have created these foldable containers that fold flat and you can ship four containers back with the same space as, as one uh, container. Um, seen another company called quick loads that's here in ohio that has created a, a flatbed that can automatically load and offload a, a container yeah so you see innovation there and then um the resourcing i mean you're seeing a lot of the leaders resourcing so looking at the supply chain as a whole uh and trying to figure out you know what is the best place to, to source from are they in the correct location you're seeing You know, like your apples are moving to, more to Vietnam. They're moving to India. 
Um, you're seeing people trying to come back to the U.S. The problem with the U.S. right now is it's it's great to come back to the U.S., but a lot of the manufacturing is is still full from the pandemic and um, allocation. So it's difficult to even if you want to and even if your numbers are there to to be able to actually move forward in doing that. So I think in today's world, you just have to be open to adapting. I mean, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You've got right now potential for the ILWU strike on the West Coast. You've got potential for railroad strikes throughout the U.S. You've got where the West Coast is not as congested anymore, but the East Coast is, is severely congested and seeing issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we adapted and we planned for a, a peak season, but right now no one's seeing a traditional peak season like we would in the past years. Um, with the China lockdown, we all thought when, when China was going to open back up that there would be a, a flooding of containers um, increasing rates again, which hasn't happened. Um, so we're, we're learning to, to change, uh, you know, traditional way of thinking from a, a supply chain to, to a more, um, I, I keep saying adaptability, but I think that's the best word to use because you can't, you can't rely on the traditional models anymore. So it's, uh, it's definitely a, a dynamic world. I mean, supply chain was interesting before, but you know, now you see it in the, the daily news, you see it on the, you know, everywhere. Um, everyone knows what supply chain is and, and whenever anything's late anymore, that's the, the number one excuse I think is, is supply chain is, is the reason for being late. So, you know, as a, a leader in supply chain, you know, we're trying to take better control of inventory management. Cause as I said earlier, it's, it's not your traditional, you know, a lot of people are working just in time. Um, and that's not as feasible anymore because of the longer lead times and the unknown lead times. Um, so we're looking at inventory management, you know, we're adapting, we're innovating, looking at new ways of, of doing uh, processes and, and working with new countries. At Vichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Vichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.vicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.